I would like, if I may, to take you on a strange journey. To explore strange new worlds. To seek out new life and new civilizations. To boldly go where no man has gone before. Others lock up your sons. The fangirls are busting out all over. It's Fangirl Radio. Fangirl Radio. the fangirls on jackalope radio hello everybody and welcome to the latest greatest edition of the fangirl radio show i'm your host jessica dwyer and with me tonight are the equally lovely rachel and wren as my co I, i would call them my companions for tonight um because this episode of fangirl radio is dedicated to one of the most iconic and epic characters in the entire history, I would say, of science fiction. And that would be the Doctor. The Doctor, um, as in Doctor Who, um, has been around um, for almost, we're getting to the 50-year mark. I think it's 2013 is actually going to be the 50th anniversary of Doctor Who. And um, the show has been around, um, it's getting more notoriety now than it has in many, many years due to a reboot that has become one of the most popular sensations worldwide on TV. Um, and, uh, but for those of us who have, uh, are as old as I am, I'm the old one here um, on this show. Paul the Dash. But, yeah, hey. I'm, I'll I'm let almost, you have that. Yeah. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. I, I am, in fact, the oldest of, I'm the elder here. Um, so uh, I actually grew up watching the original series um, when it was on. Um, and uh, I, I grew up, of course, as many of my age group did, um, with Tom Baker. and um, But I fell in love with, uh, with Pertwee and company. But um, we'll go through the history of the show, uh, at least a condensed version of it, um, but I felt it was timely to do a, a, an episode about Doctor Who um, because it really has kind of become very important to many people. It's always been important in my life, and but I think it's it's something that it's not just a flash in the pan. And I, I feel like a lot of people are kind of like, "What do you like it?" Um, you know, and these people need and they need an explanation, and a lot of them don't realize just how long it has been around. Um, and, and I know Ren, um, we've kind of got like a, a tier here of, of Doctor Who fandom. All three of us are all Doctor Who fans, correct? Yes. Oh, absolutely. Um, Rachel has a little bit more of a, of a knowledge base in, in, in the original series than Ren does. Ren has seen all of the new stuff. Um, Rachel's seen a little bit of the original stuff, but it kind of has meshed together for you. Yeah. Because I grew up in uh, Maryland, which has Aberdeen, Maryland, as one of the best PBS stations in the country, and they would uh, play British sci-fi on the weekends, and the and it would be I forget what the original show was, 
and then there would be Doctor Who. In no particular order, at any time, you could get any one of the doctors um, <laughs> at any point <laughs> in the story. And then right after that would be Red Dwarf. Which so is, sometimes yay. I realize I'm watching stuff and I go, oh, that was from this episode. And I remember seeing that. And other times I'm telling someone something about Doctor Who and it doesn't seem right. And it's because it was from Red Dwarf. Because I was 10 <laughs> and they had a cat. So <laughs> they were much more interesting at the time. But um, I've come... The they didn't have a didn't... cat. They had a strange guy in a cat suit kind of thing called but Cat. I, we knew he was a cat. That was but the he, whole thing. He was, he, was a, he was a cat, but he was the... Evolved. the he was an evolved, evolved cat. cat. He was awesome. He was awesome. awesome. <laughs> so, yes, yeah, so my, my friend Heidi, who I have to give a shout-out to, because my um, friend Heidi Mender made me come to her house to see the new Doctor Who, and I was very resistant, and then it became our thing. And so I watched all of Eccleston, all of Tennant, and I just recently started to watch Matt Smith. And the thing is, um, thanks to the reboot uh, of the series, uh, Tom Baker's crown had, has actually been taken away for most popular doctor, mm-hmm. which is sort of amazing um, because he held that crown for years. And um, then David Tennant showed up. And um, I know everybody, all the fangirls out there are like, David Tennant, and I am one of them. But um, <laughs> the thing is, David Tennant is, and, and the doctor himself is more than just squee material. And that's kind of what I want to get around in this, in this discussion. Um, because the character, the character is just such a, the doctor is pretty much what, I, and, and this is going to sound so o- over the top, but really the doctor makes humanity want to be better. And, and when you watch the show, you want to aspire to be what the doctor sees humanity as because he just oh, makes you feel You're making that. me cry, Jay. It's so beautiful. <laughs> it's true, though. I mean, you know, if... It, it really, uh, I was just going to interject. It's what it's what the next generation of Star Trek really wanted to do and couldn't do because they were so sanctimonious. Couldn't exactly. do. Oh, we're going to have a fight here, Rachel. <laughs> <laughs> Not to the okay, extent okay. that the Doctor can. This is the it, we're talking Doctor Who. No Star Trek. Star Trek will be later because we're going to have. <laughs> so at, at some point this month, uh, Rod Roddenberry will be on the show. Woo-hoo! Uh, so I'm I'm making that happen, but. But this is all Doctor Who twenty four seven for right now. So no fighting, no no trekking, <laughs> trekker twenty four seven. You mean you mean one one right? Yes, one one. <laughs> so, but but um, let's first for those of you and um, and for Ren and Rachel, I just wanna I wanna go over what is Doctor Who, and um, uh, they they have an idea. But for anyone who is somehow happens along to hear hear our show tonight. Um, that doesn't know the uh, Doctor Who is um, a British sci-fi series that started in the 60s and it actually started the same day John Kennedy was shot and um, so they actually repeated the the pilot episode um, a few days later just so people would realize because no one was really paying attention to the man in the blue box They they were paying attention to the fact that a young president had been shot so the priorities, origi- man, you gotta wonder. It, yeah, exactly. I know. <laughs> God forbid. But um, 
in in a weird way, you had the death of the man respons- one of the men responsible for getting us to the moon um, happened the day um, we had the the stars open to us by someone else. So the that was very the, nice, by the way. I, I just have to give you props for that. Thank you, thank you. I, I that just popped in my head. Anyway, <laughs> as uh, the original episode. Um, took place it's called an unearthly child and in that episode um we are introduced to the first doctor played by william hartnell and um at first you really don't like the doctor he is a crotchety old man who um lives in a junkyard um so, so you know is how it comes away and um his granddaughter susan um is He's a very advanced, um, very smart teenager. And um, what happens is her um, two teachers come and become the first two companions of the Doctor. um, And they travel back into um, the Stone Age. And it's it's not um, super budget at all. But there's something something very interesting about this show and and it grasped hold of everyone's consciousness at the time and imaginations it really appealed to kids and hartnell kept going and um you find out that the doctor is in fact a time lord from this planet gallifrey and um he he can he's fairly immortal it's it's he's been given 12 regenerations you find out that the time lords when they are about to die can regenerate their bodies um they keep part um pretty much who they are intact but their completely appearance uh they change um so these this is a very very um smart way of keeping your series going while your lead actor decides i don't want to do this anymore i've been doing this for x number of years and um, the Doctor travels in time in one of the most awesome spaceships ever created, which is the TARDIS, which stands for Time and Relative Dimensions in Space. Um, you find out that his TARDIS is stuck due to a chameleon circuit breakage um, in the form of a British police box. And it's bigger on the inside than the outside, as many people have noted. And um, the the TARDIS can travel in time, can travel pretty much anywhere, is nigh on indestructible, and is pretty much the Doctor's best friend, and has been with him for a very long time. He stole it from his planet um, <laughs> many years ago, um, and so as the series progresses, the Doctor um, journeys through space. He he's very 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 intelligent man. And has a great moral compass. Um, but as things progress, um, and as the current episodes show, um, it can wear on you when you're nigh on immortal and you basically have the universe's um, fate in your hand. And so he goes through time and he particularly likes human beings um, as companions. He loves humanity. He sees a lot in humanity that he not only wishes to see within himself, but he wants to, to see progress and become more than, and he knows what they can become. And, um, their sense of wonder and adventure appeals to him because that's what he has. And I think it keeps him young in, in his mind because he loves to bring these people with him and show them the universe somewhere. He's already been 10 times over. He can see through a, a person's eyes, for the first time and feel that wonder again 
so as the doctor goes, he um, he saves the universe many many times, and um, he fights um, characters and villains who epitomize, um, you know. You've got the Daleks who are very much in um, in the in the episode the Tom Baker um, episode Genesis of the Daleks. Um, you get a very Nazi vibe, and with the Cybermen, you get this. Um, the Cybermen were pretty much the original Borg. Um, I shouldn't be bringing up Star Trek again, but I was going to say the Daleks were Borg, but then I was like, no, bad Rachel. No, no, the the the, the Cybermen really were the first Borg because they have no no That's sense. True. Of, of emotional attachment. They have no sense of self. They are... And, and their origins are human. Are well, human, actually, no, right. Borg origins aren't human either. But, you know, they took over humans and made them into right. Borg. Yeah. Same thing with the Cybermen. Right. That whole, that whole thing of, of them um, taking over, uh, coming to a planet and just, you know... Um, improving upon them in their eyes is is yeah. that so where the dalek origins are alien daleks right, are aliens. right right they were a a mutant species that has been you the know engineered yeah right by davros so um <laughs> but we skip ahead but then we skip ahead so as we go we we um we find out more about the doctor's origins a little bit i mean the, the, his his character is really kept in mystery a lot of the time, we do find out little things, though, like that, that there is an academy on Gallifrey that he went to school with, uh, the, ma- the master, too. Um, he is um, uh, on the run from his own people. And as it progresses into the new stuff, um, you find out that there was this epic time war, and the doctor had to make a horrible choice. And in that choice, he destroyed... Oh, you want to tell them? It's like I, you know, one of the greatest surprises in the whole series. You're going to tell them? I'm going to tell them because they oh, need to man. know the history. They so need that's to know. your spoiler alert, folks. That's spoiler all you're Spoiler alert for those who... I am River Song. Um, <laughs> the doctor had to make a horrible choice. And that is part of the... We've not really seen the Time War. I wish they would do a feature film and have it be the centerpiece where we get to see this. It would but, end so sadly... Well, Davies said he won't, and that's part of it. And part of it is it would be McGann. And I would be exactly. completely okay with that. I, I would too. He's, he's, <laughs> Me too. He's the, she is Time Lord, let's be honest. Yeah. yeah. But so so the, the, um, the, the Time War happens, and the Doctor, to save the universe because of, of how um, awful the war has gotten, he makes a choice that actually ends up destroying Gallifrey and supposedly the Daleks. But as always, much they like they keep popping up, the Cybermen keep popping up. So it, it, it's a horrible thing, and that is part of the you know what led to the new series of the Doctor being more uh, far more dark than tragic. and tragic than anything that had came before um he's he's alone in his own he thinks he's alone and it it just really has this sense of tragedy about him um ecclestone eccleston i can never say his name right um he brought a really good sense of that to the character um but i think tenant really grasped it and he really, because some of the stuff that they did with Tennant, and this is all Russell Davies is doing, um, as well as, as David Tennant bringing this, you know, the man can make you cry with a glance. <laughs> um, he 
brought this sense of of tragedy to to bear especially i think the epitome of it was the waters of mars mm-hmm. uh, episode where that was hard to watch at the end i got it, kind of upset oh my god but so that's kind of a, a, a very brief history of the Doctor. Um, mm-hmm. He's had some major, major companions that to this day um, people love. Mm-hmm. The, pre- pretty much the, the queen of all of them, though, would be the late, wonderful Liz Sladen as mm-hmm. Sarah Jane Smith. Yep. Who, who, to the, you know, a- anyone you ask that watched the original series and especially the new series will say Sarah Jane was my favorite companion. Um, her loss hit a lot of people very hard, and it was even doubly tragic because um, right before her, not too, not I think maybe within a year or so, um, Nicholas Courtney um, passed away too, and he played Brigadier Lethbridge Stewart, who was amazing. So um, it, it that's a brief history of of Doctor Who. Now. I'd like to talk about, and I, I, I let me let me get from Rachel and and Ren here, um, what what you what you guys take from that um, from from that brief history of Doctor Who? What stands out in your mind that you that you can think of? Well, I mean, something that dawned on me when I was trying to you know rationalize the personality differences in the Doctor, and this is you know backwards um, backwards canonizing where you're you know the the uh, int- idiosyncrasies of hiring different actors has to be rationalized in the fictitious realm of the show backwards from the beginning. <laughs> but um, my my re- my my sort of working of working over of that came to every every sort of new iteration of the Doctor is still the still the Doctor, but seems to um, like put the focus on one facet of his vast personality because he's so old and he's got so much experience and he's seen so many things he's just you build and build and build on that and your personality becomes huge and you get different doctors ending ending up kind of embodying more specifically just certain areas so like Christopher Eccleston did a great job of being this kind of post-war emotionally kind of closed off no nonsense like an expert yeah. Yeah, he was sort of the general. You know, he had done some, you know, major fighting, major leading. He was a leader, definitely had that leader vibe in him. And and that was kind of the 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 feeling you got out of him and that was the part of the doctor's personality that was in that generation of of the doctor. It's funny you just reminded me of the 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 made for TV movie. I can't remember his name. Say it, the actor's name again. Paul, Paul McGann. Paul McGann. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. you know, silly thing about the made for TV movie. It's not a lot of people are a bit wishy-washy about it, and they, you know, they did what they do when they make things into movies, which is kind of change it a little bit, so they brought in the whole love story a little bit too hard. But I rationalized that, my backwards rationalizing, <laughs> into that that particular generation of the Doctor was more the love side, the lover side of his personality, and so that's why he was more focused on chasing the girl and having, you know, the relationship be the primary part of that story. So I kind of thought, I mean, that's an interesting way for me anyway to watch the previous Doctors as I kind of pick them up down the line is what is the actor focusing on? And then I can kind of see that as being what's that particular compartment of the Doctor's personality that's more in focus with this generation and the next generation. Oh, and like Matt Smith, the current guy, he seems to be really 
the youthful side. I mean, not just because the actor is young, but but his uh, his way he speaks and the things he does and the way he talks and his focuses they seem to be like a young man. So that's his youthful part of his personality that's in focus in this generation. Well, I think that. Oh, go ahead, Rachel. Sorry. Oh, I was just going to say it's interesting from a writing perspective because they they admit that they didn't plot everything out ahead and they do get away with the giant MacGuffin of the time war <laughs> of, getting, <laughs> of why this doesn't carry through or that doesn't carry through but um, f- for a story that's basically written like one of those slam books where you write a sentence or three and the next person writes the next three or four sentences it has it does manage to stay really relevant by being quite retro mm-hmm. most of the time even wh- when it started and what's interesting is a lot of the pre-Eccleston doctors were a lot less dark uh, than the current iterations, even including Matt Smith. Um, and so to kind of see this journey of we start out with this person who is old and has lived a long time in his first life and um, is a cast out complete rogue and grouchy about it. Like all he has is his granddaughter to keep his company to McGann, who's finally like at this kind of weird place where he's starting to break through his asexual distancing, which is totally a metaphor, which we'll get into later, I'm sure. And then <laughs> this whole loss of everything, you see these characters go to emotional extremes beyond being goofy or, or um, you know, fatherly or whatever to these kind of bigger emotional extremes than the character portrayed before, even in the fact that even the first Doctor was some of the most violent, um, intent, dark storylines that have ever been seen on the BBC. So. Well, well, and I think, too, kind of speaking to um, Ren's point of, of how McGann was sort of, um, you know, uh, the lover Doctor, and then you have Eccleston being the, the vet. The warrior um, Doctor, yeah. The warrior Doctor. Mm-hmm. I, I think that when they regenerate... Um, and this is a nice segue into the the people, the guys who have played the Doctor, and the list of men who have played them, and there are more than you think. Mm-hmm. And there's also a couple of women in there. Yes. Um, the um, I think that the regeneration itself plays a part. Um, we've McGann um, when his Doctor in the film, which I loved the film. I, it was yes, it was Americanized, but I'll get into that later, maybe. Um, but they they. Um, his regeneration was a was not a nice one. It was it was messy. Ooh, yeah, and, it was messy. And and so he wakes up, and there's very much the metaphor of Christ coming to the life, especially with the shroud and all of that, um, coming back to life kind of thing going on. And and Russell Davies, as we know, had his own share of Christ-like imagery for the Doctor. Anyway, um, <laughs> but I think the regeneration itself plays a big part in how the doctor kind of grasps hold of what's going on and like with Eccleston you you don't get to see how I'm assuming it has something to do with a war um, yeah in with battle the war, perhaps in battle perhaps and that's how he goes and that's why you know with the thing that happens with 10 and Rose um and 10 to, well 10 2.0 which is spoiler alert um uh the He's born in battle, kind of. He actually says that he needs you. He was born in battle and fire and rage, and that's all this stuff. Mm-hmm. I think that explains how the doctor became how he was as as you know number number nine. Well, but with eight, I think that 
his memories were of Grace being there trying to keep him alive. And so he remembers her and he even says, Puccini, Puccini, you know, and, and like opera is the first thing he sees her. And, and I think that helps, you know, pull him to her. But his doctor was also very, very romantic with the whole, the whole flowing hair and, and all of that. But I think that plays a part. Well, and you have this very intensely romantic character who ostensibly is the is the doctor who has to decide to doom his entire race in order yeah. to save the universe. Exactly. And then you have yeah. Eccleston, and one of the interesting things is when they when they start to look up all these old pictures of the doctor, and you see him all through time at the Kennedy assassination, which is mm-hmm. really funny considering how the series started and all of that. Exactly. But um. When you see him through these things, you could think, oh, that's just him with his normal travels. Or you can maybe construe that he's been traveling without a companion since the war. Right. And, and he's oh, been yes. alone a long time. And that's I think something that was that understood. not really happens, you know. So, mm-hmm. And that's why Rose kind of like came in there and really, because I'm sorry, but. I have some issues with Rose, but <laughs> you know I love her. <laughs> I, but, you know I love but her. <laughs> the reasons I, I I will make the clear why I have issues with her, but but I think that's why he kind of like you know had as deep a feeling as he did for her because he needed he hadn't been with anyone for so long. Well, and it and, wraps up the point you made in the beginning, which is that he he was drawn to humanity. He he loves humanity almost like a father figure, but you know they excite him and they entertain him and they make him proud. Um and that after the war distancing himself from that, you know, he lost the uh quote unquote humanity or Time lordiness, whatever. Um, <laughs> Time lordiness. You made a new word. I'm proud. So, so meeting Rose was a return to that for him. It was a return to to the way he'd operated for the last, you know, seven generations of his life. So, eight generations of his life, whatever. So it was it was a return to that kind of um, grounding him in something that was good. Right, and 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 it has been said numerous times throughout um, this the new version of the show was. That the doctor needed someone to keep him level. He needed yeah. someone to keep him on on the the straight and narrow. Um, on, you what know, is it that going, Donna said? I think I, you need someone to stop you. Something yes, like exactly. Yeah. And that's why Donna is awesome. Donna is um, awesome. Donna is my many favorite. Reasons she's awesome. Okay, so before we move on, just because I want to make sure we're all perfectly clear on this. <laughs> Speaking of Paul McGann, and that being kind of a non-canonical time period of the doctor is there anyone here (laughs) we just have to get this out in the open is there anyone here who thinks that the doctor is half human oh um well see that's that's what they say in the film is that that is the reason he loves them so much i you know they kind of i don't think so everything else before it (laughs) well and and it goes against the whole thing that happens with donna too yeah. Yeah, so and it kind of it kind of like take it's it's such a beautiful story the way it is and if you make him half human it makes it too easy. Well, you know? and I don't understand how he could be because they no. say it's his mother but then we see in earlier episodes of his mother being she was a council member on Gallifrey, right? So I think uh, yeah, they they've they've vaguely uh, talked about the parents um and I I would like to think 
that the woman that you see and at the end of time is possibly his mother. Um, and, and if you got, if for the listeners, if you haven't seen any of this, it will not make any sense to you at all what we're talking about. But, um, for those of you that have, I'm curious, um, feel free to email us and, and, or post on the, on the Facebook page. Oh yeah. Uh, what you think of who that woman was because they focused on her quite a bit mm-hmm. and a lot of people think it might be Romana but I think it might be his mom I, I was pretty sure it was his mom Yeah, I, I, that's the, the yeah. that's what I was picking up but I don't know anything about the previous stuff so I don't know who Romana is uh, there's two Romanas. <laughs> there's two Romanas, and there's one that people like more than the other, apparently. But there's one that the doctor liked more than the other. <laughs> oh, just a little bit. There was some nothing in the TARDIS. Um, Their TARDIS but, is rocking. And, and you want to hear what's funny is that uh, Lila Ward, who played Romana 2.0, ended up marrying um, uh, the friend of Douglas Adams, um, the, the biologist. Uh, I'm blanking on his name right now, but she, he ended up introducing them after Tom Baker and, and she um, divorced and she ended up marrying him. I'm falling down Wikipedia to find out for you. <laughs> but, um, but history, I, I, I wanted to go over the list of, of actors who have played the doctor um, quickly um, or try to. Um, and also I hope if, if not, I've actually, this episode, we may actually have some call-ins um, from people so um, feel free to call us um, anytime actually during the show um, when we've had a number posted because we'd love to hear from you um, but back to the doctor um, first of course as I said William Hartnell started it all um, followed uh, followed by uh, Patrick Troughton who was a favorite of many people um, his doctor wasn't as crotchety as, as William Hartnell he was more of like they call him the kind of the um the 30s comedian doctor he he was actually kind of like a, a charlie chaplin Suge's haircut i can't get past it i i understand <laughs> he also had the recorder that he the played. recorder and oh yes i've seen the pictures of him i know i know he, which one you're talking about he's a do- darling darling man my um my sister actually got to go to one of the last conventions he did um but um he he is who uh crossed paths with the brigadier um, I believe they were fighting yetis. Um, as but, you do. Uh, as, and he, yes, you do. And uh, he ended up um, becoming, that's where he and UNIT became, UNIT, United Nations International Task Force, I believe is what that stands for. Um, but that, that is where that whole relationship starts as the scientific advisor. Um, so Troughton leaves and in comes John Pertwee, who is one of my all-time favorite doctors. <laughs> is he, he the one with the sword? He, he is the one with the beautiful white hair of Wynn, and he's real tall and wears smoking jackets and ruffles. And, and bow ties. Yeah. That's and very important ties. to remember. He also did wear bow ties, and he <laughs> drove um, Bessie, who was this souped-up old car that was this beautiful yellow <laughs> um, and could go super, super fast because That's he had right. with it. And uh, Pertwee, um, Pertwee came in and made it very much a, a kind of like a James Bond type of doctor. He he knew uh, Venise, Venusian jiu-jitsu, I think it was. And, uh, yeah, I knew he knew some weird martial art or <laughs> yeah. had a sword or something <laughs> knew, like he that. He knew like this awesome martial arts skill, and he he was um, he was just amazing. And, and he is the first doctor to meet Sarah Jane. Mm-hmm. And of after um, and actually, and I think this is why 
part of the reason why the doctor and Sarah Jane, um, especially number four, who was Tom Baker, um, he he regenerates due to saving Sarah Jane's life. Um, the planet of the spiders. He he takes one for the team, and you know, and becomes Tom Baker. Baker lasted forever, and and when you when you talk about Doctor Who, everyone goes, "Oh, is that the guy in this scarf?" <laughs> and 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 with the hair, and mm-hmm. and that's you know, it's always going to be Baker forever, is to many people. So- I read uh, something recently about the scarf, and you probably all know this, but the scarf was an accident. They gave the set gal... Someone they, was knitting and forgot to stop? Well, basically, <laughs> basically, they they hired this woman, and I can't remember her name offhand, but they, they said, oh, we want him to wear this funky scarf based off something we saw, and bought her all the yarn, and she just knitted all the yarn up. And when it was done, she she knew it was long, but she thought, I kind of thought this was fun, and Baker loved it. And they, they actually made it longer later. But but the original ones, if you look at the the first few episodes, it's the shorter scarf, but it's still and kind of... He changed yeah, yeah. the purple one, too, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and um, after Baker came the bane of many a Baker <laughs> fan... Um, <laughs> Peter Davison and he's grown on me over the years but he he kind of like Matt Smith was given a raw, hard road to go because um they had his character unravel the scarf yeah no yeah and to find his way around the TARDIS because once again you had a hard regeneration um he he unraveled the scarf and my sister <laughs> loathed him oh for years God. and i did too but you he grows on you kind of like well, you know it, it, and like with matt smith he's kind of more traditionally good looking whereas you had all these older gents first of all he was the youngest doctor at the time and so you had exactly. all these older gents and then you follow up one of the most beloved doctors who is also such a quirky great character actor with this mm-hmm. classically handsome guy who destroys this icon in the first series. And <laughs> I remember when we, we first saw the first stills of Matt Smith, we were mad. Jessica and I were, like, stomping around going, they've just hired someone who looks like Robert Pattinson. And, like, we were so then, And then, and then, okay, we're skipping ahead. <laughs> but then you have him show up after David Tennant utters the line with tears in his eyes as I'm bawling. Oh, I don't yeah, want to too. go. Yeah. And then he shows up, destroys the TARDIS console with his <laughs> body regeneration, and goes, Geronimo! And it's like, who the hell are you, you prick? <laughs> and, and the, but the truth is, like, that really is what happened there with Peter Davidson, is he was young, he wasn't a quirky actor, and I'm sure everybody watching at the time was like, oh, I see, they're going for teenage girls. And, and how, yeah. how bizarre is it, though? I mean, this is a non sequitur, but how bizarre is it that a television show can do that twice? Like, <laughs> a- alienate their fan base and still be on the air for 47 years. <laughs> I, that, you know, that's the thing. The love of the doctor is, you know, you love your doctor. The yeah. doctor that you get and that you pick as your doctor is your doctor. And, and it really is. Start with. Usually it's the first doctor you start watching. Is your, it becomes yours. But, but you know what? It it depends. Really, it's kind of weird that we're that, that no one will get what we're talking about here. But it really is the truth. 
it, the doctor you, you that becomes your doctor is the one that's there when you need him. Hmm. And and like my sister loved Baker. Baker was just you know it for Baker was hers. That something when he was on the air set with her completely. Now. I'm sure that Baker influenced my love of British guys with big blue eyes, but uh, when, but you know what, you fast forward, you know, you would think that it would be Eccleston because that was the one that showed up, um, you know, at first, but no, what, when I needed my doctor, he showed up and it was Tenet and that was, that was it, you know, Tenet forever for me. Um, now that's just who I love. I, that's my pick of all of them. Um, it's not because I'm the Johnny Come Lately, you know, new fan. I'm not. But that man, to me, was able to bring together all of the aspects of the original Doctors and put his own spin on it and make it his own. And the thing and that's really hard to do. And but the reason he was able to do it so well, and the reason why so many people still consider him the best Doctor ever. Um, props to Matt Smith. He's making it. He he's I he grew on me. I like him now. I'm, I don't I don't you know he won me over. But Tennant was a fan. Like many of you know, t- Matt Smith was also a fan. But Tennant at in in like fourth grade or whatever uh, wrote an essay about what I want to be to grow up when I grow up is the Doctor. And so that to me is amazing. And the fact that that is why he did it so well. Because he knew all of those previous guys. And um, now he's going to marry um, Peter Davidson's daughter. Where did we leave off oh, on the um, list? Where next is Colin Baker. Uh-huh. And Colin Baker, um, kind of fitting, um, because he had the ru- a really rough way of it to go. Because Davidson got really popular, but when Colin came on... The show was in a lot of flux. There was a lot of issues internally at the BBC with the show. And it kind of was funny how his regeneration was really hard because um, uh, Dr. Five had been just, I think it was like, um, I want to say it was radiation or some form of virus. Um, he saved Perry, his companion, but it cost him um, on in the caves of Andersani. And um, when... when uh, Colin Baker shows up, his doctor's unhinged. He actually tries to kill Perry, and he's just crazy. And then when he finally becomes, you know, you know, settled, his doctor is very much, he's kind of a bastard. And it's, it's great in a way, because he was really, he, he was for a really long time, I loved his doctor. He was my favorite, um, just because he was so snarky and smartass, but he followed it up. He's Petruchio. He shows up in the um, in all the kind of clown gear, being snarky and schooling folk. You know, he he totally is, and um, he was great. But what happened was he only had like a couple of years of screen time um, on the show, and uh, and but he only had a couple of years of screen time on there. Uh, what ended up happening was. Uh, uh, they they did audio dramas, and Big Finish Audio over there in Britain kind of continued this on. But BBC Audio, uh, they did a lot of radio shows with it. Um, so Colin 
didn't even show up for the regeneration sequence. It, it, It got really ugly at the end. And um, so then you had Sylvester McCoy show up. McCoy um, was Doctor Number Seven. He was he was more buffoonery, but smart. He kind of like epitomized the older gent and the um, kind of like a bit of Troughton in there. He was like he was like a Golden Age comic book character almost. Yeah, it was he 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 was very. I don't know how to describe McCoy. He he was he grew on you. Um, he also sadly had one of the most annoying companions <laughs> at the beginning and, and ended up with one of the coolest, but no one, I, Bonnie Langford, I'm sorry, but no one liked Mel. That girl was, oh boy. So after, after McCoy came McGann and, um, in the, in the TV movie. And there was a um, big gap though. There was a long stretch of time. There was a huge, there was like a, I want to say almost 10 years. And they, it was um, seven. It, it was seven. It was, it was, it was really close to 10 years. Because the show had ended and really bad ratings and they just, they just stopped it. And they were trying to make uh, a feature film, but what mm-hmm. they ended up making was the TV movie. Right. And, um, bringing it stateside. It was a co-production. Um, McGann came on. He did. I thought he was a great doctor. And then what happened with him was the audio dramas, the big finish stuff, um, filled out his character. He even had one with Simon Pegg that um, was called, I believe, Invaders from Mars. Um, nice. And it was, uh, you know, he he was great in those. And and his doctor really got fleshed out in the in the novels too. Um, and didn't they write the the movie with the idea that they would it would spur interest to start a show right another series yeah they really wanted that to happen and you had eric roberts as the master i thought he was a neat master he was all sweet (laughs) but but yeah so and then of course you lead up to eccleston um years later right yeah so another big gap of time goes by because obviously the tv movie wasn't successful enough to spawn a television show it was successful enough to do a long series of radio dramas, which BBC is famous for. They do that, you know, by the volumes, which is fantastic. They, for some reason, don't do that over here. Um, but the, it kind of dwindled again until, what was it, 2005? And yeah, nine years later. Right. Yeah, nine years later. Right, and, and the, uh, but keep in mind that the show was still prevalent in the UK via... Big Finish Audio, comic books, mm-hmm. via, via the novels, um, novels. Um, they they really kept it alive, and so and that everybody is that ha- had grown up watching it. All that right. you know, all that all those people that were kids hiding behind their sofa at the time. Now they were grown adults, and it was all in their collective collective memory of everybody that had grown up with it. They all still knew it. They knew all the characters and all the details. Right, and, and it wasn't and you on had TV. Pe- yeah, and you had people like Matt Gronig who would sneak Tom Baker's doctor into the background of The Simpsons. And, and mm-hmm. all these people that, that grew up with it over here on PBS remembered it. So, mm-hmm. you know, Russell Davies and Julie Gardner, they, they came together and cre- rebooted something that a lot of people didn't think would make it. And they made something amazing. They, they brought it into current time. They, they made it relevant. And... They started using, and one of the things I really wanted to talk about was how the moral messages, the the morality tales within that show are so beautifully done. 
um, the like I said at the beginning, the doctor makes you want to be what the doctor sees the human humanity becoming, and you've got these just you know the stories within them um, are are beautiful. I, I know one of the Entertainment Weekly guys said that Doctor Who is one of those one of the few shows that can make me cry every time I watch it. <laughs> You know, and it you, you think about that, like with the episode Father's Day, and you know, bringing up Rose, um, the episode where she gets to go back and meet the father she never got to see, and um, you had you're given the choice of do I get to keep my dad around, which she she was going to do, or if I let him, you know, I have to sacrifice for the good, greater good, which is a one of the big themes of Doctor Who is sacrifice for the greater good. Um, it's it's heart wrenching stuff. Well, and I think um, it it it's something that you don't really see a lot the selflessness because in a lot of sci fi, what is disguised as the greater good or selflessness actually is something that promotes the character and the truth is the more the doctor does for the good of everyone the less people know him and the more he loses yeah. so it never really works out for him <laughs> well right <laughs> and always that's, costs him everything well and that's like what happens in and the next doctor um and, and it's you know the tenant stuff is some of the most wrenching stuff mm-hmm. there is with him um, saving the day again and um, Jackson actually telling everyone around him uh, that's the doctor no one's ever thanked him thank him now he just saved you mm-hmm. and and Christmas day you know Christmas night I guess you call it the doctor hears applause mm-hmm. and he gets thanked and and it's one of those things it's like with with um, Another tenant that is so, um, you know, another one that was really good was um, the sound. I, I can't remember if it's the sound of drum. It's the, it's the two-parter with the master. Yeah. And, um, and um, it's basic. And this goes into that whole, it's very Christ-like how the doctor comes and saves us. And especially with some of the visuals that come from that era of the doctor with 10 was... Um, basically prayer and he even the master even says it prayer is going to save you and um everyone's saying and thinking this is the man you know martha goes on and tells everyone the tales of the doctor and um they all think at the same time and 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 visualize him and it's he rises forth with his arms outstretched floating in the air and saves the day and and what's he do he forgives the master so, and there's all this sort of, you know, the doctor is the savior. And, and it's, it's really a, a neat way of, of telling that tale and teaching people, you know, especially kids who, the show is actually for kids, it's supposed to be, but um, not Torchwood. Well, families. But, families. But, but, but family viewing, you, you get Maybe this. kids that turn out like us. <laughs> yeah, kids that turn out like us. Oh, we're so horrible. Um, but, you know, I love that they, it's not hokey. It is and it isn't. And and that kind of is, is testament to the original series run. It's hokey, but the story, the story outweighs it. And um, I was talking to my husband about it, and it's like, it's, 
if you're wanting good story, you watch Doctor Who. If you're wanting hard sci-fi, this isn't the show for you. But if you want a good story, this well, is the show. How else can you keep someone interested when really you have no budget and you literally are running down corridors? I mean, there's a reason, yeah. you know, right. the thing that it gets flack for is really a testament to the fact that they had no budget. If you watch, especially Pertwee era, <laughs> there are oh, some yeah. funky, jangity things and there is a lot of running down the same corridor from different angles. <laughs> there's but, a lot of styrofoam costumes. Right, right. But it's very, it's there. And, um, you know, I think that the character Tim Latimer and what he gets to say about um, the doctor and family blood is like one of the best descriptions of the doctor ever, you know, that he's like fire and ice and rage and what he says about him. Oh yeah. That's brilliant. And that's, that, that is something that's reflected from the beginning. I want to, Oh, sorry. Finish Rachel. That, that, that was it. (laughs) Well, I just wanted to say um, for anybody who, hasn't launched into the doctor but has been thinking about it um (laughs) if you're if you're a person like me sometimes when you're wanting to get into a series and see if it's worth it you might google what people consider the best episodes and watch those first i would recommend not doing that um my experience with getting into the doctor was while i was living overseas it was on television regularly without cable and i saw you know i flipped through the channels and i would pause on it for a couple of seconds and i would usually flip the channel um, because I it just maybe it was a hokey alien or maybe there was just some schmaltz or something, um, and I even remember watching uh, I can't remember the name of the episode now, but it's the it's the season finale of of the second brand new season where the Doctor and Rose are separated by that wall in two different dimensions. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. and and I saw that that was probably the first whole episode I ever saw all the way through, and my reaction at the end was huh okay uh, I guess I'll watch the next one and see what happens. Later, like a couple years later, when I decided to start watching the whole thing from episode one, and I by the t- I'd watched the whole Eccleston series and then the whole first series with with David Tennant, and by the time I got to that episode again and watched <laughs> it, I bawled, I bawled, <laughs> and the reason why is because you build up you build up an affinity for the characters that you just can't get on first watching. There's a lot of shows out there where the way they're written, you really can immediately connect with. You know, uh, because they're written for adults, there's a lot more being expressed. This is there. There really is a lot of surface in in the Doctor. I mean, don't don't mistake it for anything else. There's a lot of surface in it. It's it's you know, kids are supposed to be able to watch this. So, you know, when you sit down and see it for the first time, if you're expecting something, you know, with the depth that we're expressing right now, this is the depth that you get out of it from having seen a lot of the show. This is the depth that you glean from watching most all, you know, from watching it at length. Um, If you launch into it in the first place, don't be just immediately disappointed if you don't see this on the first couple episodes. But keep watching because it only it only works its way into your soul more. (laughs) The longer you watch it, the more it gets you. I agree with that. I mean, it it really does because. that's the reason I think it's really lasted as long as it has is it, you know, you, it, you start caring about these characters and the doc, the doctor, especially you just keeps going and going and you just, you, you really do fall in love with this guy and, mm-hmm. and, or not even fall in love with the guy, but the, the, the ideal that, you know, 
I know a lot of people out there that say Star Trek saved my life or whatever. Um, um, you know, they, they, people don't get why we care about it so much. But um, I know a lot of people that will say, I wish the doctor one day would come and just, I want to go run with the doctor. Just no, there's, a, there's a lot of people that kind of, you know, when they're walking around, they might glance down a, a, an alley that they pass and see if there's a little blue box. Yeah, exactly. And you, you, you're like, I want to You never know where it's going to be. Yeah, you never know. You go always look, you're like, that, that, I see a flash of blue over there, you know, that kind of thing. And and that's, I think that's why the doctor and, and the show is, has resonated for so long. Now, I know we, we're getting ready to run out of time here on my... But it, it, there's so much history with this show and, and so much stuff to talk about. You really could do two episodes of, of a, a, at least uh, just about talking about Doctor Who. But um, I, I did want to point out that, um, you know, we, we stated that there's 12 regenerations that a Doctor has um, or a Time Lord has. They kind of threw that out the window with a blasé line by Matt Smith not too long ago. Really? So, yeah, they oh, did. Oh, the joke? The yeah. five hundred and three. <laughs> well, yeah, there there was a yeah. there was a very brief mention of that, and someone what asked. Was, how I haven't seen the last series, so tell they, me. Um, the only thing is that they the writer said that he was he was joking about the actual number, <laughs> right? <laughs> but well, well, so this wasn't. We know more things can be added because um, during the Time War, um, anyone any Time Lord who thought fought the Time Lord was given an extra regeneration cycle, so we know they can get them somehow. Yeah, so I, I always thought that it would be a good way to use, uh, to say that the, the source of power that allows the Time Lords to do that isn't being used by all the Time Lords now, so only the Doctor has access to it. So he can Oh, that's around. clever. That's I clever. Thought that w- I thought that would work. You listening, but- writers? Hello, listening? <laughs> but, you know, um, Jessica can wish things into existence. Exhibit A, true. Dark Shadows. <laughs> Dark shadows. There you go. <laughs> but um, so, and the big rumor that was running around was that Matt Smith was going to leave. I still don't know if that's true or not. I I think he's going to stay now. But um, I, I just thought it would be funny to go over the li- a, a little short list of actors that were actually up for the part when Eccleston left that would probably <laughs> want to do it again. And that was um, here we go. James Nesbitt, who was brilliant on Jekyll, was rumored. Oh. Before you get into that, I do want to say that the big person that they were pursuing before Eccleston was Hugh Grant. Oh, I who, heard that. Who what actually it, played him briefly. He did. He did. <laughs> but they pursued him for the serious role. And uh, he went to Christopher, Christopher Eccleston once he turned it down. And he said since he regretted it. But it would have been a whole different. That would have been the totally. weirdest show. Totally. That would have been the weirdest show. But yeah. um, so James Nesbitt, Bill Nighy was rumored. Bill Nye would have been great. Bill Nye could still do it, I think. But Michael Sheehan, (laughs) that would have been nice. But he ended up voicing, um, having a voice in the Neil Gaiman penned The Doctor's Wife episode, which was brilliant. And I can't say anything about because neither one of these girls have seen it. I'm working Um, my way there. My personal favorite that I, I... really wanted to have as 11 but it didn't happen was anthony stewart head oh Uh, yeah um anthony tony head is a huge huge doctor who fan and has been involved with um he was in an episode with tenant where he played the bad guy that's Um, one of my favorite bad guys oh he's great and he also was um did voices in 
many of the audio dramas and um I'm actually I think I'm being prodded to to that we're getting ready to really run out of time. So um but he he was definitely one of the the ones that I would have picked to um be one of the doctors at least. So um this guy but, that rumored it all, but if they went younger, I really, really would want it to be um Robert Sheehan of Misfits fame if they did younger. Robert yeah. Sheehan. Yeah. If have you seen the Misfits? If you haven't seen the Misfits, you have to fix that immediately. But uh, <laughs> I'll just put it out there. He plays Nathan on uh, on the Misfits. Okay, so we are actually um, we're really, really running out of time to talk about our Time Lord. But <laughs> I, I, I wanted to um, just cover really fast. There are some other really cool things out there that you can check out that are connected to Doctor Who that were done. Um, that were done not specifically part of Doctor Who, but included many of the great cast. There's um, a series called The Stranger um, that was done by BBV, um, direct-to-video, that starred Colin Baker, Peter Davison. Um, actually, I'm sorry, P- uh, Colin Baker, Nicola Bryant, um, Nicholas Briggs was in that, um, Louise Jameson, David Troughton. Um, there, that was a really neat sci-fi series that was also, um, audio dramas were done with, um, in conjunction to the video. Um, there was also a movie called The Arizona Solution, um, that starred Colin Baker, Peter Davison, John Pertwee, Sylvester McCoy, um, and Alan Cumming. Uh, I love Alan Cumming. <laughs> so, um, so keep in mind there's some really neat things out there. Um, there was also, there's so many audio dramas Big Finish have, has released that you can check out. So um, I, I really think we should do a part two to this at some point just to get in deeper to the wonder that is the Doctor. But I hope you enjoyed ta- hearing us babble about the Doctor. He really is one of the coolest, most amazing characters in the history of sci-fi. There is a reason this show has been on for so long. Um, and as I've stated, my favorite would be David Tennant. Ren, Rachel, really quick, who are your t- your favorite doctors? David Tennant. Uh, Pertwee and um, either Eccleston or Tennant. I uh, I still have a lot of love for Eccleston. So Yeah, he was great. He's a close second. But, uh, but, he, but Pertwee's up there for me. There's something mm-hmm. about him that I Oh, I forever love. Pertwee. Pertwee, Baker, and, and Tennant if I had to pick three. But Tennant, yeah. you know. He's, he's yeah, the- Baker would be in there if there was three, but like Tenant, Tenant, I love just for being on there so long, um, and that's where he wins out over Eccleston. But Eccleston, I think, um, did a lot with the one season he had. I was going to say the same. If Eccleston had stayed longer, he might have been up there higher for me. Yep. Yeah, and and he we we hope hopefully Eccleston will break down and come back for the 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 fifty year. Um, special that you know they're going to have but um, thank you so much everybody for listening to us tonight talk about the doctor I hope you check it out if you've never watched Doctor Who you really need to take the chance and go see and watch an episode it's on Netflix streaming all the new ones are and there's a bunch of old ones on there too so for $7.99 a month you can be um, just dipped in Doctor Who <laughs> so thank you so much and um, for the oncoming storm For Rin, for Rachel, this is Jessica signing off. See you in the TARDIS.